In one of the accounts of the passion of Jesus, it is reported that as he was dying on the cross, he cried out, Eloi, Eloi. And the bystanders mocked him for calling on Elijah. In the story of Elijah, there is an echo in our liturgy today. For it was Elijah who hid in a cave to avoid confronting his God. But deep down, he wanted to see God, and he thought that God would come to him in the wind. But God did not. And he thought that God would appear in the thunder. But God did not. And he thought that God would arrive in the shaking of the earth. But God did not. Finally, Elijah went to the mouth of the cave, and there, as the story relates, in the sound of sheer silence, Elijah knew God. The proclamation of the passion of Jesus is such an experience for us. It reduces us to sheer silence, to searching for God in the silence of the cross. On this day, and only on this day, we begin our liturgy in silence. And that silence is not because we are so few. It would be the same if there were many. It is on this day that into this silence, our voices make bold to shatter that silence with words of lament. We cry out with our minds, our hymns, our intercessions, and our impatient stillness. The irony is that there is a deeper sound to our silence. It is the sound of our collective uncertainty, the sound of our communal concern for friends and strangers, the sound of searching, and the sound of our praying. In the tradition of our ancestors, all the way back to Mary and the weeping women of Jerusalem, to Simon of Cyrene and Joseph of Arimathea, those whose silent witness now echoes in our being as we are so intensely aware of our own helplessness in the face of realities that we did not look for or desire. But we will not avoid those sounds. We will not let them overpower our hope for ourselves, for our church, for our world. On this day, we have come to keep vigil at his cross and ours. And our vigil keeping will not be in vain. The grasp of darkness on us will be shattered by the grace of redemptive love. In a few moments we will look toward the doorway of this place. As Elijah looked out the mouth of the cave, and we will proclaim, Behold the wood of the cross on which hung our salvation. Come, let us adore. Come, let us adore. Venite adoremus. The Christmas refrain that a few short months ago was chanted in the context of great joy. What an incredible people of faith we are 
to do this today. And the irony is that we believe we must do this. This is not awake for a dead body, let alone for a dead Christ. This liturgy is placed between the Lord's Supper of last night when we celebrated the astonishing gift of love and the discovery of an empty tomb, the incredible sign of eternal life. Our lament, my friends, will turn to joy in the face of the paschal flame. The prophet Isaiah helps us to understand what is it what is at the heart of our liturgical prayer this day. The servant, the prophet said, who is shunned, whose appearance brought fear to the onlookers, the one who accepted infirmity and iniquity for others, the one who was alienated even though he had done no wrong, the one who still cared when the sheep had gone astray. This is the one with whom Jesus identifies. And Jesus will embody this in his willingness to accept the will of the Father. His suffering will bring healing to his followers. His emptiness will bring forth a harvest of blessings. And his death will transform the world. This same irony and Incredible posture of vulnerability is fully embodied by Jesus as he is portrayed in John's Gospel. The soldiers who came with weapons were looking for the Prince of Peace. They carried lanterns to see the light of the world. They offered sour wine to the one who created the best wine from jars of water. They dressed him in royal garments he who needed only a towel to express everything that he was about. They believed they were in charge, but he had the last word when he spoke, it is finished, and they had no idea what it was all about. And so on this day we dare to sing of the triumph of the cross, to venerate the noble wood that gives salvation to bow before a cross that was an instrument of unbearable pain, but a symbol of unimaginable love. Because Jesus does not simply share our human misery or the faltering efforts of the world to be right or of the church to be good, he transforms it. And this transformation can also be very personal. For who among us has not known some form of dying since last Easter? A death, a separation, an unpleasant diagnosis, an anxiety in life. But the transformation of Jesus did not happen because he avoided the cross. No angels arrived to stop the crucifixion. Transformation is precisely because of the cross, because his death is not the end, despite what the authorities had hoped. It was the beginning, the beginning of a promise that each one and everyone would accompany him into the glory of the Father. This 
is the Christ, who summons us beyond all the crosses of our life to the newness of life, who summons us to wash the feet of our sisters and brothers in every manner of service, who summons us to the table to accept, in poverty and in hunger, his body and his blood. This is the Christ who summons us to the empty tomb where nothing seemed to make sense, but everything was changed.